Hello. Been a minute. Just wanted to come in and say, hey, how's it going? Um, in the immortal words of one Kendall Roy, yo. How long has it been? Uh, let me just give you a brief rundown of the last Flames team that uh, myself and my two colleagues came on the airways to discuss. Here's the roster. You ready for this? Sam Bennett, Matthew Kachuk, Michael Backlund, Rasmus Anderson, TJ Brody, Sean Monahan, Elias Lindholm, Mark Giordano, Derek Ryan, Andrew Bonjapani, Yusuf Valamaki, Noah Hannafin, Johnny Gaudreau, Garnett Hathaway, Mark Jankowski, Travis Hamannick, James Neal, Michael Froelich, Oscar Fantenberg, and Austin Zarnick. If you're uh, a huge flame sicko, you'll know that that is the team that lost in five games to the Colorado Avalanche in 2019. Uh, what was definitely uh, rock bottom for the franchise at the time. Boy, did we not know how good we had it. Um, as a few short years later, that core of Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, Matthew Kachuk, Sam Bennett had been completely dismantled. Uh, and in its stead was the 2022 iteration of the Flames. Um, a team coached by Daryl Sutter for the second time. Uh, saw some success, but even year over year, um, that success had not carried over. Before I go any further, I want to welcome you guys to episode zero of the new look 3-4.0 of the Seeing Red podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Amanzada, here doing a quick ad hoc impromptu season opener game day version of the Seeing Red podcast solo. Uh, just wanted to set the stage for, you know, the flame season for sure, but also our season. Uh, I think on our list is hopefully reaching out and finding some uh, some guests to come on the show and really just talk about being a Flames fan. That's kind of what this show was always meant to be about, is just uh, obviously your fan experience, watching the Flames through fans' eyes, not through an analytics perspective or a journalist perspective or anything objective, just truly what it means to be a fan of the city and live, eat, sleep, breathe, die this team. Uh, and... I got to tell you, this year is one that I am not entirely sure what to expect. Um, as you guys know, I am a Flames diehard. I consume any Flames content I can. So, obviously, I was following along in the preseason. Um, and Friday's game against the Canucks, where they dressed what is believed to be as close to an NHL lineup as possible. In fact, I think they had basically all their regulars that lined up against Vancouver. Um basically left the dudes who actually do cover the team for a living, uh, that being Steinberg and, and Wills and uh, now Megan Mickelson, who joined the broadcast team at 960, uh, somewhat at a loss for words because they don't really know what to make of this team. And quite frankly, I agree. You can say one thing about where the team was, where the personnel was from top to bottom in 2019, but even year over year from 2022 to 2023, the president of hockey ops is different. The general manager is different. The head coach is different. His coaching staff is different. In addition to all the player personnel moves that we saw now two years ago, um, the cool thing about the Flames um, from a player personnel perspective is a lot of returning members. It's kind of because they're in cap jail with some of the deals they've put out there. But at least that'll be something with some continuity in an otherwise completely new look, completely facelifted squad. So it's hard to say day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year. Well, I think that's probably too far, but like day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, what we're going to be getting from this Calgary Flames team. Um, and a team that, you know, already kind of lacks an identity, which is a little troubling, but they haven't even dropped the puck on the first game of the season yet. That, of course, 
goes on tonight against the Winnipeg Jets, uh, who also had some major scrutiny in the offseason, certainly with having their captain Blake Wheeler leave to the New York Rangers. Obviously, Mark Scheifele and Connor Hellebuck are there long-term, but that wasn't always the case. That was looking like they were kind of going to do a a Matthew Johnny and pull the shoot and move uh, to greener pastures elsewhere. Um, So at least the Flames will be playing someone kind of in their same uh, cultural weight class. Uh, Another team that is coming in with a lot of questions, albeit a veteran team with a lot of talent. Um, So for me, I think there's a couple big questions heading into this year, one of them being, what is this current Calgary Flames team? And I'm not even talking about good or bad. Uh, you know, are they a contender? Are they a wildcard team? Are they whatever? But what are we expecting stylistically? Um, say what you will about Daryl Sutter. Uh, and I'm sure that everybody has a lot of things to say about Daryl Sutter. But one thing you got from Daryl Sutter's teams is you knew how the hell they played. They brought the lunch bill to work every day. They forechecked super hard. They peppered you with shots. Um, tight checking. Good penalty killers. Uh... And just heavy, heavy teams to play against. Uh, I don't know much about what we can expect from head coach Ryan Huska because although the Flames don't return virtually, virtually any coaches, excuse me, um, the one coach that did return is now the head coach, formerly an assistant, formerly the head coach of uh, the AHL affiliate. Ryan Huska has very much cut his teeth with his team, and you'll love to see that he's finally getting a shot. Um, but it's his first time being an NHL head coach. We don't know exactly what to expect. So I, for one, am very looking, very much looking forward to seeing what this Flames team becomes under Ryan Huska, how this team plays under Ryan Huska. We've heard uh, all preseason uh, and in the offseason from general manager Craig Conroy. You know, if you, uh, if you went into a coma in 2019 and just wake up now, yes, Craig Conroy is the general manager of the Calgary Flames, uh, that this team wants to be more creative offensively. They want to... You know, let the big guns kind of cook, uh, and that's why they brought in a guy like Mark Sabard to also help offensively. And so, we're hoping to see some more off the rush stuff, some more ad hoc stuff, some more create stuff. Hopefully, that's not at the expense of the defensive end. Um, that's certainly something that I saw on Friday, and certainly something that kind of bugged the Calgary Flames even into the Daryl, uh, the, the last Daryl stint, where. They would not give up a ton of shots, but the shots they would give up were 10 bellers. And especially when you come into consideration with the fact that Jacob Markstrom was not playing his best hockey last year, that typically end to or led to some less than stellar results and ultimately uh, cost them a few hockey games. Um, so that's the first big one. The second one is I love to look at the 2022 season and think that everything that could have gone wrong did. Uh, you think about the two new big pieces they brought in in 2022, being Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberdeau coming in that Matthew Kachuk trade. Of course, Mackenzie Weger was a little slow out of the gate, was never a huge, huge point producer to begin with, uh, but certainly found his footing near the end of the year. The guy who was fighting it from minute one to you know minute 60 of games one through 82 uh, was Jonathan Huberdeau, who actually saw, you know, it's been very well publicized, so I don't feel like I'm ragging on the guy too too much here but had the biggest year over year drop off point total wise in nhl history going from i think it was 115 to 60 or 55 or whatever it was um so yeah so i like to think they're gonna bounce back in addition to that jacob markstrom probably let in the first goal uh on the first shot he saw in like fucking 10 15 games i don't think that's a stat but it certainly felt that way uh 
And you got to think he'll bounce back as well. I mean, the dude is two years removed from a Vezina Trophy campaign. Uh, not one that he won, but certainly one where he was in the conversation. And so you got to think he's a, a more quality goaltender than the one that we saw for most of last year. Uh, not down the stretch where he seemed to find his game a little bit more. Um, but he looks like he'll be, uh, I mean, he has to be, right? He has to be a more effective goaltender, a more confident goaltender, a more sturdy goaltender than he was last year. And I, for one, am looking forward to seeing that as well. Andrew Bajapani had a big drop-off uh, in his goal total year over year. I think he scored like 30-ish, 35 maybe, two years ago. And last year, I'm not positive he broke 20. Uh, so he's another dude that is trying to live up to that big contract. He basically came out as much and said that he had a shoulder injury very early on, and it just kind of nagged him throughout the season. So you got to think with the Flames having less kind of bad luck bounces in the way of, you know, Jacob Markstrom first goals on first shots, a bounce back from Huberto, a bounce back from guys like Mangiapane and uh, Mackenzie Weaver to an extent. You got to think this team has the talent to get over the hump and get back into the playoff conversation, certainly make a wild card spot and certainly make some noise in the Western Conference, albeit in what has very quickly become the toughest division in hockey in the Pacific where the Knights just, you know, took care of business against the Kraken, who are also quite good. The LA Kings are young and up and coming and just so freaking deep. I think they're one of my, my big dark horses in the Pacific. Like, if the Kings won the Pacific, I wouldn't be surprised. I know you have to take it away from the from the champs here, but I think the Kings are every bit as good as, as the Knights on paper. It's a question of, can they be as good as them on the ice? Um, yeah, and so they, the, the Flames to get back to the, the topic at hand. The Flames have their work cut out for them, but I think with bounce-back years from everybody and just a little bit more puck luck, like, they hit, as a stat, the most post in the National Hockey League. Um, they lost more one-goal games than anybody basically in history. Uh, I think they had 17 overtime losses or something like that. Like, they're just leaking points everywhere, and yet we're a mere three points away from sneaking into the playoffs and then once you get there, we know as well as anybody, anything can happen. I mean, just look at Matthew Kachuk, that beautiful unicorn, and what the Florida Panthers were able to do. So I remain hopeful that this team can get it done. Uh, I think it starts off by figuring out what your play style looks like under Ryan Huska, and, of course, refining that, executing that better day in, day out, and, of course, continuing to gel as a team with so much turnover, certainly last year, this year a little bit less, um, just continuing to become a team, learn everyone's tendencies and where they want to be on the ice, and I think they'll be able to take care of business. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. The third thing I'm very much looking forward to is the youth movement. Uh, a lot of noise, a lot of uh, anger, some vitriol has been spewed on the Flames front office and Flames ownership for basically their philosophy of trying to go for it every year, and it's kind of at the expense of developing young talent, letting young talent play. Uh, I will not get into the Matthew Phillips thing on this show, but that is certainly a soft spot for a lot of people with him being homegrown, and you know, just a great story at five foot seven, 140 pounds, uh, and being an absolute savage at the HL level and still not even getting a fair shot with the the big club. Um, and Craig Conroy, new GM Craig Conroy, has come in and said that that's not going to happen during his reign. The young kids are going to get a fair shake and have every opportunity to make the squad. From my vantage point, uh, certainly he's he's lived up to that a little bit. Walker Dewar 
it looks like he's in line to be an everyday NHLer. Uh, certainly a favorite of mine. I tend to call him Mick Dewar because the guy can skate. He's got a shot. He's a fun player just because, uh, you know, the Oilers bros hate it. And I'll do anything to make the Oilers bros uh, big mad. So uh, very much looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing what my boy Walker Dewar does, uh, the pride of South Dakota. In addition to that, we have guys like Matthew Coronado. Uh, that dude has all the pedigree in the world. The dude's a bucket. He's got an NHL-ready shot. His skating could use some work, but hey, who among us? Uh, and we've seen a lot of dudes, certainly in Calgary, be less than talented on their skates, but get by just fine on smarts and responsibility and having, you know, something like a lethal shot. And that thing looks NHL-ready. He is sniping all over the place. I think he had six or, I think, seven points total in the preseason, four of those being goals. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. I think right now he slots as this team's de facto number one right wing uh, on the depth chart. I don't know if the coaches see it that way or if they're trying to, you know, make the rook earn it or any sort of like old school hockey mentality stuff. But I certainly think on talent alone, this dude should be playing with Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto. If that even works, that's another thing we're kind of waiting to see. But certainly the prospect of having your best passer and your best shooter on the same line seems like a match made in heaven. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how that all shakes out. Currently, I believe he's skating with uh, Kadri and uh, Sharon Govich on the second line, if uh, yesterday's lines were any indication of how this thing's going to slot out. But I think Matthew Coronado is in line for a big year, and I would not be surprised if the guy touched 30 goals. Someone's going to have to score him on this team, uh, and it could be Matthew Coronado. And, of course, there's Adam Ruzichka, the great enigma. The dude who looks great in the uniform is 6'4", 220, seven days a week. Built like the prototypical power forward, but just lacks consistency and intensity and just doesn't bring it night in, night out. Right now he's starting as the fourth, fourth wide center. One of the big takeaways from the training camp was there was no obvious fourth center on this team. Um, they were trying Rosie in the top six on the left side. And he actually enjoyed some success there even last year where he played with Elias Lindholm for about 20 games and scored 21 points, I believe. Uh, was very productive. Uh, but the thing with Adam Ruzicka, 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 uh, I'm still not entirely positive. I feel like it's different every time I hear somebody say it. But Rosie, as he is known in the locker room, is that you just don't know what you're getting night in, night out. Uh, I don't know if it's an effort thing. It might be at this point because, you know, while I am talking about the kids, I don't think he's like a young, young rook or even a rook to, at all. He's probably a second or third-year player. Uh, but Rosie needs to bring it night in, night out. Uh, they were saying on the broad, on the radio, uh, his mantra should be consistency is cool. And that's something that I kind of want to steal in my day-to-day uh, because I, I feel like I lack consistency in some aspects. But that's not, we're not talking about me. We're talking about the Flames. We're talking about Rosie. We're talking Dewar. We're talking Coronado. Uh, and on the back end, I, there's of course Dustin Wolf, and Dustin Wolf is not going to get a shakeout with the big club to start out. His preseason was not as lights out as you'd like it to be, did not really force his way into it, and of course Dan Woodard played pretty well in the preseason, and certainly didn't do anything to lose his job. Dustin Wolf didn't really do anything to really force the issue at hand, so he'll be starting in the A, but of course he is this club's best prospect, the reigning AHL MVP, uh, and the best goalie that certainly I've seen at that level with my own eyes. I think that's one of the really nice things about having the Wranglers in town 
is you get to go and watch these guys. Um, it's not just reading, you know, Flames Nation or, or what have you, whatever publication that's covering the team, whether that be Sportsnet or something else. You actually get to go watch them and, and make these opinions yourself. And certainly Dustin Wolf looked like he's a class above the dudes he was playing with last year uh, and is certainly aligned to do that again this year. It's only a matter of time before his number is called. Uh, it just wasn't going to work out this year with how the roster is currently constructed. Of course, you don't want to give away a guy like Dan Vlinar for pennies on the dollar or make a move just to make a move, uh, especially when, again, like he's 22 years old. I don't know how many everyday NHL goalies there are at 22. There can't be many because that's just a position that, again, just takes a little bit while, takes a little bit longer to get your footing and, and kind of hit your stride as you make the transition from the A to the NHL. So, yeah, the youth movement's going to be something very interesting to track. I'm very much looking forward to getting down to the Dome and just getting back to doing what we do best and just uh, enjoying the great game of hockey in that old arena while we still can, um, because that's another new development. In, in Flames World is the announcement of a new arena set to open up most likely 2027. They're saying there's a chance he'd be ready for late 2026, but... It's been long overdue. It's been a long time coming. I hate the way that it's uh, had to go about where, you know, a big portion of this is government funded as opposed to making the billionaires pay for their own arena. But, you know, it is what it is. The team needs it. The city needs it. Uh, Somebody had to pay for it. So I'm glad that it's happening. I'm not looking forward to what it's going to cost to get into that new arena or certainly what the beers are. So I'm just focused on enjoying tonight enjoying my relatively cheap beers and my relatively cheap seats with my buddies and uh, I look forward to chatting with you all very shortly about how that all went and how this first week of the 2023 flame season went so thanks for listening I hope to catch you around on the flip side I hope that you stick around for future episodes Um, and if you're listening to this and you're interested in coming on you're a you're a flames fan with you know somewhat of a following you don't need to be anybody famous or anything but you got to have something to say you got to have a perspective you got to have uh, a unique vantage point on the flames and and the ongoings surrounding the team give me a shout i'd love to have you on uh cody for sure will be back as a producer so it won't always sound this terrible uh and yeah we're just looking forward to taking one more run at seeing red putting another season in the books and yeah just hopefully having a great time doing it so thank you very much for listening and i'll talk to you all soon